Good morning. Welcome to Real Hope Community Church. You can take a seat for just a moment if you'd like. I'd like to welcome all of you. We're so thankful to be worshiping together this morning, particularly through baptism, giving testimony to what God has done and is doing in making His people new, bringing life into deadless hearts. Just a few things as we begin this morning. Um, we know that there might be many visitors here. We're so glad that you're here. Uh, we do have a meal afterwards. We hope that you'll stay with us in fellowship. We'd also like to connect with you, particularly if you're interested in making this uh, your, your church home. We want to connect with you and to get to know you. Uh, there are connection cards under the tent, so you could fill one of those out. You can also connect um, online with us as well. Um, giving, we do have a giving box here today, and so if you do have any gifts that you'd like to give um, as a means of worship, you can give those under the tent, also online or the Church Center app. Um, we normally have Bibles with us, um, and we normally give them out. We, we didn't bring them to the beach today, but if you don't have a Bible and you would like one, please let us know. We'll make sure that we get one in your hands. Um, just a few announcements for this morning. We do have next week our volunteer appreciation time. That's going to be at the Fort Atkinson Pool. There are details about that in your bulletin. It'll be 545 to 745. Again, that's next Sunday night, 545 to 745. Of course, swimming and fun uh, dinner will be provided. Please, if you can, RSVP by texting pool party to 94,000. Pool party to 94,000 just so we can have a somewhat accurate number of how many to expect. Also, two weeks from today, we have a Connect lunch. It'll be after our worship gathering. Um, so if you're new and would like to get connected, that's a great way to help in that regard. Um, you can sign up online um, or sign up at the info table. Uh, finally, uh, we talked last week more extensively about a South Africa mission trip that we are going to have this coming fall. I uh, want to just mention that again. If you have interest, you can please talk to me or Pastor Craig or one of the other elders. We will be having a, a meeting about that relatively soon, so we want to make sure that that you're um, able to be contacted for that for that meeting. And so I think that's it for our um, announcements this morning. We're so thankful once again that you're here to worship with us. So excited for what God has in store for us this morning. Let's go ahead and stand up once again as we're called to worship through God's Word. Good morning, everyone. It is so beautiful out here. Um, this morning, our call to worship comes from Psalm 138, verses 1 through 6. I give you thanks, O Lord, with my whole heart. Before the gods, I sing your praise. I bow down toward your holy temple and give thanks to your name for your steadfast love and your faithfulness. For you have exalted above all things your name and your word. On the day I called, you answered me. My strength of soul you increased. All the kings of the earth shall give you thanks, O Lord, for they have heard the words of your mouth, and they shall sing of the ways of the Lord, for great is the glory of the Lord. For though the Lord is high, he regards the lowly, but the haughty he knows from afar. Let's pray together. Father, this morning, just as we read, we are here to sing of your ways and to declare your greatness and your glory. We're reminded of your glory, especially today as we're gathered outside, surrounded by your beautiful creation. We will be reminded of who you are and your redeeming love for us as we hear testimonies of how you are saving and changing hearts and lives. May our songs be pleasing to you as we declare your greatness and love. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. All right, we're going to sing together. Your words are going to be in the bulletins on that blue sheet in case you didn't see that already.
Father, your love for us is marvelous. We are filled with thankfulness that you reached down to us, even while we were still sinners, and provided a way for us to leave behind our lives of sin and hopelessness and to become yours. May our hearts overflow with praise, and may our lives declare this hope and joy that we have to the world around us each and every day. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. You can take a seat. Well, good morning. We good? There we are. Welcome to the beach, the best backdrop in all of creation, right? We do this every Sunday. We could do this every Sunday. Well, we are glad you are here this morning, and uh, it is uh, my favorite uh, worship gathering of the year to be here, not just because of the venue, but because of what we'll get to witness uh, in a moment uh, we get to hear from 10 people that will be baptized today. They'll share their testimonies, uh, and we'll get to celebrate with them what God has already done in their lives by opening their eyes to the good news of the gospel and, and giving them forgiveness of sins and redemption, and that is a beautiful thing. Uh, but before we do that, I want to read a passage of Scripture. I usually spend uh, just a moment in the Gospels looking at a story of Jesus. Uh, try to find one with water, too. So I found one. There's several. Uh, but I'm going to read a passage from Luke chapter 5, uh, verses 1 through 11, and then I have very clear four points uh, that matter as we transition in to our testimony time. This is the result of hearing the Word of God. That's why it's so important that when we gather as a church, you hear the Word of God preached, when you gather uh, in your own quiet time, you read the Word of God, you take it in. There is a result when that happens. When you hear God's voice and the Spirit opens your eyes, there are results that happen. And especially as we'll read in this passage, uh, these men encountered Christ and the result is pretty, pretty amazing. So I'm going to read these verses and I'll pray for us and then we'll just spend a, a brief time here before we hear from those folks. This is what it says in Luke chapter 5. It says, On one occasion, while the crowd was pressing on, in on him to hear the word of God, he was standing by the lake of Generasset, and, had, and he saw two boats by the lake, but the fishermen had gone out of them and were washing their nets. Getting into one of the boats, which was Simon's, he asked him to put out a little from the land. And he sat down and taught the people from the boat. And when he had finished speaking, he said to Simon, Put out into the deep and let down your nets for a catch. And Simon answered, Master, we toiled all night and took nothing. But at your word, I will let down the nets. And when they had done this, they enclosed a large number of fish and their nets were breaking. They signaled to their partners in the other boat to come and help them. And they came and filled both the boats so that they began to sink. But when Simon Peter saw it, he fell down at Jesus' knees, saying, Depart from me, for I am a sinful man, O Lord. For he and all who were with him were astonished at the catch of fish that they had taken. And also were James and John, son of Zebedee, who were partners with Simon. And Jesus said to Simon, Do not be afraid. From now on you will be catching men. And when they had brought their boats to land, they left everything and followed him. A brief prayer, just join me. Father, I pray that as we have heard your word read this morning, that even now it would result in response from those that don't know you, that you would open their eyes, that they would meet Jesus, that they would see him for what he came and, and did on this earth, living righteously, dying on a cross, being buried and rose again, so that all who believe in his name would have eternal life. And I just pray for our time together this morning, that you'd be honored and glorified and that you would speak now, and we pray these things in Jesus' name. And all God's people said, there's three things that you need in effective gospel ministry. You need the Word of God, you need the Spirit, and you need people. Those three things. The Word of God has to be present. The power of the Spirit, part of the Godhead, has to open the eyes of someone, and you need people. 
And when that happens, the result is transformation of life. That's what happened when these disciples met Jesus. They encountered four, at least four, as I'll walk through, of his attributes of his divinity. And the response resulted in something very pointed in their lives. If you notice first, the, the fact that Jesus was and is omniscient. Does anybody, any kids know what omniscient is? What does that mean, omniscient? Anybody? What is omniscience? Anybody? All-knowing. Thank you. We're all kids at heart. All-knowing. Jesus knew exactly what he would do. He knew exactly what he wanted to tell Peter, and he had the knowledge of all, all things here. And we see that. When he drew the crowd, the crowd was pressing into him and he needed to get some space. He was obviously popular in ministry at this point and he had them set out and they had been fishing all night. But Jesus knew exactly what was going to result in a miracle here. And it's like that for us. When we doubt that God knows everything, including what's best for us, we turn away from him. We operate out of our own knowledge a lot of times. But when you trust that Jesus knows everything, it results in our obedience and trust, right? You see that from Peter. As he says, they were fishing all night. He didn't take in anything. And Jesus spoke this in verse 4, put out into the deep and let your nets down for a catch. You can imagine what Peter thought. He said, that's foolish. We labored all night. We, knew, we know how to fish. We knew that we would catch here we didn't catch here and jesus says why don't you put them here and he knows the result right it's like that for us we doubt god's word often but he knows all things that's when it's really hard for us to trust in his knowledge when he gives command and tells us to do something we question it but here jesus demonstrates that he knows what's going to happen He's omniscient, and when we trust in that, it results in our obedience and faith. And so I want to encourage you today, when life is really challenging, when you can't see what's ahead, even when you've operated out of your own strength, your own way, and you hear the word of God, and you know you're supposed to do, you have to trust in that, and you have to follow through. When you hear the word, the result is obedient and trust. The next thing we see, and this is the cool part of this story after they toiled all night and they took nothing they put down the nets we learn of jesus's power it says when they had done this they enclosed a large number of fish their nets were breaking so much so that the boat began to sink when you trust in the power of jesus and when you see it and you're going to hear 10 people who see in their lives the very manifestation of god's power he's transformed lives and you can see that when you see that in the result, it's amazement and blessing. The wonder of that moment, if you could have been out there, what that would have been for those disciples who had toiled all night. They take so much fish in that their nets break and the boats begin to sink. It is like that when you see somebody who is far from God, who did not honor him, did not glorify him, when you see their eyes open and you see their lives changed, that's the power of God. It's the same answer I've told you this before. When little kids come up to me at Awana and they say, how do you know God's real? You've never seen him. And I always answer the same way. I've seen him. I've seen him in people's lives, people that were dead, that were sin, in sin, and I've seen him renew and transform their lives. That's the power of God. And it results in amazement and blessing. Here the disciples wondered at what Jesus had just done, and they were blessed immensely. Now, of course, the blessing doesn't come in the form always of uh, material things and our prosperity. We know that, or we ought to know that. Sadly, some churches preach that message that if you follow Jesus, you'll be healthy, wealthy, and wise. But their blessing here was just a reflection of our spiritual blessing in abundance. And that's a result, when you hear the word, you get to experience the amazement and blessing Peter's response is pretty telling. The third thing we learn about Jesus here is he's holy. Peter sees this in verse 8. It says, when Simon Peter saw it, he fell down at Jesus' knees saying, 
Depart from me, for I am a sinful man, O Lord. That's a pretty interesting response from a fisherman who has just experienced probably his best catch of his life, right? To look at Jesus and not thank you, wow, neat. He says, depart from me, for I am a sinful man. He recognized Jesus' knowledge, his power, and in that moment, he recognized his holiness. He revered him in worship and humility. He bowed before him and said, I am not worthy to receive what you've just given me. And it wasn't about the fish. It was about Jesus' power, caring for them the way that he cared for them. When you hear the word of God, when they obeyed it and they, they did what Jesus said, you get to experience all of these great things, but you get to be aware most of who you are. When you're next to Jesus, you're aware very much of your sinfulness. That's why we say when you mature in your faith more and more, you're more and more aware of how much grace and mercy God has given you, how sinful you truly are. And that's the result of hearing the word of God. When you're met with God's goodness and his love and his character and his holiness, you understand what he's done for you. You understand who you are. I can't earn God's favor. I can't do enough for God. All I can know is that he looked on a sinner, a wretched sinner, and saved me by grace. That's the result, is it draws us to worship. It draws us to our knees in humility over Jesus' holiness. And the fourth thing we see, maybe a little hard to see in the text, is we see that Jesus is merciful. It says there that when James and John were there, partners with Simon, and Jesus said again, his word here, do not be afraid, from now on you will be catching men. And when they had brought their boats to land, they left everything and followed him. Jesus gave them a new mission, born of his mercy. The life that they once had was lost now, and they gave themselves to a new life. And the result of hearing that word for those disciples was that they left everything and they became disciples. So it resulted in discipleship, and then he gave them a new mission. The result of hearing Jesus' command sent them on a path to abandon their old life and to cling to a new one. Matthew 6.33, that they would seek first the kingdom in all its righteousness. That would be their priority now. And anyone who comes to faith in Christ, true saving faith in Christ, knows they have a new outlook and new mission in life. Their old life is gone. Their new life has come. They have a new identity in Christ and a new mission to grow as a disciple, to continue to hear the word of God, and to be used in the world to bring others to Christ. And so they see that in their lives, and they abandon everything. I would have to think, too, I don't even know if you think about it, what did they do with the fish? Did they cash in on them? I don't know. I don't think the fish was for them. It was just for the wonder of knowing Jesus. And they left all of it, and they followed him. That's what you're going to hear about from these ten folks as they stand. And as many of us are, they are following him, but they're stumbling after him, as we say. We're not perfect in that, but when you meet Jesus, when you encounter Jesus Christ, and when you hear the word of God, as Jesus himself was the word, the result is obedience and trust, amazement and blessing, worship and humility, and discipleship and mission. That's what you'll get to hear throughout these 10 stories. That's a response that they've made when they have each in their own way encountered Christ. This is their response today in those things. Now in a moment, I'm going to invite them up to, uh, to share their testimony, but I just want to read uh, just a couple verses in Romans 6 and just explain what baptism is, water baptism. People ask that question, why do we do immersion? Uh, it's a, a total picture of the gospel in Christ's death, burial, and resurrection. Uh, you see every, every uh, thing about uh, baptism in the scriptures has, has to do with a lot of water coming up out of the water. Jesus himself came up out of the water. So it was a total immersion, total body experience. The Greek word baptizo is in there. It means to immerse. It never means to sprinkle or anything like that. And Romans 6 gives you the clearest picture of what they're doing today. They are responding to what has happened in their life, in their soul, in their spirit 
Jesus Christ has come into their life and their eyes have been opened to the gospel. They've been born again by the Spirit and they have done that as a result of what Jesus has done on the cross. And it says in Romans 6 here, it says, Do you not know that all of us who have been baptized into Christ Jesus were baptized into his death? We were buried, therefore, with him by baptism into death in order that just as Christ was raised from the dead by the glory of the Father, we too might walk in the newness of life. For if we have been united with him in a death like his, we shall certainly be united with him in a resurrection like his. We know that our old self was crucified with him in order that the body of sin might be brought to nothing so that we would no longer be enslaved to sin. For one who has died has been set free from sin. Now if we have died with Christ, we believe that we will also live with him. We know that Christ being raised from the dead will never die again. Death no longer has dominion over him. For the death he died, he died to sin once for all. But the life he lives, he lives to God. So you also must consider yourselves dead to sin and alive to God in Christ Jesus. When someone goes down into the water, it symbolizes Christ's death and their death to sin. That's why they go fully under the water. And when they're buried under the water and raised then to walk in the newness of life, just as Christ was raised, all who believe in him will be raised in the last day. It's a total picture of the gospel. It identifies us with Christ. It's a command in Scripture to be obeyed. Many do not get baptized for various reasons. I won't cover all those. But it's a clear command that Jesus gave two ordinances, Lord's Supper and baptism. And as believers, we're to follow those things. And so it's not necessary to save in that way, but it is necessary if you want to be obedient to Christ's command. And so when these ten come down, you'll hear their story of salvation, what's already happened, and then you'll get to witness a symbolism of what they're doing in identifying with Christ and being raised to walk in the newness of life. So I'm going to invite these ten down to uh, the front here. Uh, Cliff Hagedorn, I'm going to read their names. They'll introduce themselves. Kiara Henkel, Ariel Henkel. I'll keep going with Henkels here. Callie Henkel, Judson Henkel, Colson Henkel, Bailey Henkel, Addie Nelson, Carissa Smith, and Naomi McMahon. Why don't you move down this way a little bit? Oh, you're good. You can come all the way. Keep coming right, right there. That'll be the start. Yeah, nice front and center. So we, there's nowhere in the scriptures that say you have to share your testimony to be baptized, um, but it is an opportunity that we get to hear their story and get to celebrate it with them. So um, we're going to go down the line. We're going to all share our, uh, hear their stories, and then uh, we'll go and be baptized. Well, good morning. I'm Cliff Hagedorn, and I've been uh, attending Real Hope since August of 2020. And uh, I didn't grow up in, in church background or any religion in my life. Uh, my parents were very young when they had me. And uh, they relied on a lot of family help, some good, some not so good. Most of the male presence in my life was a good example of what not to be. And uh, my parents divorced when I was 13. It may have been, that may have been the first big blessing in my life. Uh, my mom was my person growing up. She always did her best for her sister and I. And we were pretty poor, but we found our riches and, and happiness as her kids. She seemed to always find a way to make it work. Moving on to my adult life, I always knew I just never wanted to be like my father, selfish, angry, and many other characteristics a good and loving father shouldn't be. I thought I was doing pretty well and had a good head on my shoulders. I met my wife after high school and knew in a pretty short time that she was, she was the one. I, uh, I know she's not perfect, but she's pretty close. Life, is, life was good. Um, later on, my, three of my four grandparents had passed away in a fairly short time of each other, and that was a, a big, big moment in my life. And uh, I had to stay strong for myself, my family. I was kind of the rock of the family. And, and at that time, I, I knew it was up to me to, uh, to stay strong. Eventually, wife and I grew our family of, of two, two kids, and then, uh, and then a third. 
whoops. I, uh, <laughs> I have to be honest, I had very little interest in a third, and I'm, I'm sad to say I actually resented her for the burdens she was in my life at the time. Generational sin, number one. I couldn't do the things I wanted to do anymore. My selfishness was soon affecting my marriage greatly. I should note that number three is a great blessing in my life, as all my kids are. Uh, we'll fast forward to 2020, the year we would all like to forget ever happened. Uh, my marriage was suffering greatly, and I had spent a lot of time trying to figure out how to make it work. Remember, I thought it was up to me. I hit my rock bottom that July and put everything I had in jeopardy. After the bottom fell out, I felt I had nowhere to turn anymore. So I reached out to well, my third favorite neighbor, Craig. He, uh, he's moved up since then. But uh, he took me under his wing and shared, shared with me who God is and how he loves. This God who happens to, be, who happens to have this son named Jesus who apparently did something to help us, us sinners out. It was the first time I had ever heard the gospel and that God could forgive me of sin and redeem my life. God wanted a relationship with me and I was, and that was possible because Jesus died for my sin on the cross. And man, am I glad I decided to take him up on that relationship. Since August of 2020, Christ has forgiven me of my sin and helped me conquer a lot of past demons in my life. I had confessed, I had confessed my sin, selfishness, and surrendered to God for help. He had helped me see what's truly important in my life. Though I still have many times a struggle, I at least know I Sorry. I at least... The hardest part of this. I at least know I had somewhere to turn to and someone to turn to. And he is the only one that can get me through this. The Lord is my strength and my song. He has given me victory. Exodus 15.2 I want to say thank you to God today, but also happy anniversary to my wife. I love you. And thank you for standing by my side through everything. I am truly grateful for you and grateful that God alone has restored our marriage. Yesterday, I laid a good friend of mine to rest who took his own life about a week ago. I am saddened and angered by this. <coughs> but I am grateful to have God to turn to. Please look out for your friends and family and their well-being. Let them know that they can give their struggles to God, even if they aren't true believers yet. Tell them to just try it and then watch what happens and watch with them. I have met many great people here in this church family and will continue to. I am truly blessed. Thank you all. I want to get baptized today to show that I now belong to Jesus. Hi, my name's Kiara. Um, I grew up in a Christian home, and when I was seven, I realized I was a sinner and accepted Jesus as my Savior. Not much happened until my teenage years when I began to really doubt my salvation, and I could never seem to find answers, and being a Christian just seemed to be so much more complicated than I could ever understand. I just wanted to know that I was saved, and I felt no one could give me an absolute answer of how to know. I began to get anxiety and sometimes even depression, and it seemed every night I would go to bed crying because I felt this deep sense of loneliness. That was the darkest time in my life, but as long as it seemed to take, God finally found me, and he really used that time in my life to show me my real need for him. No matter how much I fought to control things in my life, he made me realize I had no control, and that was actually a great thing. So I, in a way, gave my life back to God. I stopped fighting and surrendered my life to him again. I understand I'm a sinner and I understand my need for a savior. I gave up trying to rely on myself to get through this painful life. I came across my favorite verse during that time, which was Psalm 73:26. My flesh and my heart may fail, but God is the strength of my heart and my portion forever. My flesh fails me over and over again. I feel the pain and exhaustion from having to daily fight these mental thoughts. I feel the hurt that people living in this fallen world seem to bring me sometimes. I wake up and feel the amount of sin that is weighing on the world today. But I have so much hope because God is the strength of my heart and he is all I will ever need. Things may be crazy sometimes, crazy everywhere I look, but inside I'm able to have peace because I know the God who holds the world in his hand. I know the God who holds me in his hand. I'll always be far from perfect, but by God's grace, he is molding me daily into the person he wants me to be.
Hi, I'm Judson. Um, Roman eight, Romans 8 1 says, Therefore, there is now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. I love this verse because it tells how I am free from the guilt of sin because I am a child of God. And I can look forward to that day when I will be with Jesus in heaven. I don't have an exact date of when I got saved. Growing up, I always just read the Bible as homework, just reading it and checking it off my list. And I never really enjoyed attending church because I thought it was just a waste of time. Almost every night, I would lay in bed and just dread dying because I didn't know where I would go once I died. After many discussions with my parents and then my pastor, I came to realize the truth. I don't have to worry about death because Christ died for me. He saved me from eternal death when I put my trust in him. My pastor gave me a book called What is the Gospel? And it helped me understand the gospel further and to understand about Christ. Ever since then, I have never been afraid of death. And now I enjoy reading the Bible every day and going to church on Sunday. And I really want to be a testimony for God in the world. I know now that I don't have to fear death because I am God's child. And now I can look forward to that day when I meet him. I am so thankful that God has opened my eyes to see his truths and what a sacrifice he has made for me. Jeremiah 29:11 says, For I know the plans I have declared for you, says the Lord, plans to prosper you and not to harm you, plans to give you hope and a future. I now can rest in this verse and my hope for eternity. Today I want to be baptized to show everyone that I am a Christian and want to follow him. Hi, I'm Callie. I was lost, but now I'm found, which, exa which is exactly what it was for me. Years of searching, years of trying to understand it all. I have no idea the exact time I got saved, but through the long process of God chipping away at me, I stand here today knowing for sure that I am a Christian and, and am so thankful that God saved me. I've struggled since I was young with trying to find joy in others. I never found that joy I was looking for. It was temporary. Everything would come and go in my life, but the need for God never went away. Eventually, I lost the friendships and relationships I had invested so much time into and where all my happiness was coming from. I was left depressed and hopeless. That's exactly where I needed to be for God to start working on me. Romans 8.18 says, For I consider that the sufferings of this world is not worth comparing to the glory that is to be revealed to us. And Psalm 9.9 says, The Lord is a stronghold for the oppressed, a stronghold in times of trouble, and those who know your name put their trust in you. For you, O Lord, have not forsaken those who seek you. God only knows that he needed to put struggles in my life so I would seek him. Soon after that, I visited a new church, and for the first time in my life, I came under conviction. I knew I needed to get rid of my idols, all of the things and people I was putting before God, and give my life completely to him. It's been a long struggle, but God is good. He's been patient with me, and he has always been there for me. Since then, I've been listening to the sermons online from that church after I go to church in the mornings, and it's really helped me to grow more. I finally have a longing to learn and understand God fully, and I can't wait to see what God has, has in store for me in the near future. To conclude, I just want to say that without God, I wouldn't have a purpose in life. I'd be finding my joy in others, and it would leave me empty. I'm so glad that he gave me a purpose, and I encourage anyone who doesn't to really search him out, because he will never forsake you. If you seek God, he says that you will find him. Deuteronomy 4.29 But from there you will seek the Lord your God, and you will find him, if you search after him with all your heart and with all your soul. So please don't stop searching for the truth. Hi, my name is Bailey. I was saved when I was eight years old. All I really remember is that I realized that I was a sinner. I couldn't do anything to get to heaven on my own and that I need Christ. Philippians 1.6 says, Being confident in this, that he who began a good work in you will carry it on to completion until the day of Jesus Christ. This, I, this verse is great because I know that God isn't going to stop working on me and convicting me and making me more like him because I am his child. Ever since I became a Christian, I wanted to read my Bible more and pray more, and every time I thought something was hard or impossible, this verse was encouraging to me. Luke 137, for nothing will be impossible with God. I am being baptized today because I want to show everyone that I am a Christian and that I want to follow him. My name is Ariel. I grew up in a Christian household with a lot of these guys. 
Um, and when I was pretty young, I asked my mom and dad to pray with me one night to ask Jesus into my heart. I understood that I was a sinner. I believed Romans 6, 23, that the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life in Jesus. But really, I think I just wanted to go to heaven. So not cha much uh, changed for me at that point. I believed that Jesus was the Son of God and the propitiation for my sin, but my sin was still something that I wasn't quite willing to let go of. I may not have been openly rebelling, but my pride and the absolute selfishness and rebellion in my heart was all there, and I was not willing to take myself off the throne. Then come those wonderful words in the Bible, but God. Ephesians 2 talks about how we are dead in our sins and in carrying out the desires of our flesh, but then come verses 4 through 5. But God, being rich in mercy because of the great love and with, it, with which he loved us, even when we were dead in our trespasses, made us alive together with Christ. And I thank God for this because he took a dead sinner and made me alive. When this process started, though, I would not have said these words because God used suffering to grab my heart and change me. Freshman year of high school, my health issues started. I had to drop out of track and field due to chronic fatigue, insomnia, and migraines. I remember the moment sitting on my bed crying with my parents when I finally realized the reason why I didn't even want to hang out with friends or talk to anyone at church anymore. And then in 2016 came my big snowboarding accident with brain bleeds and a concussion, leaving me with 24-7 headaches on top of the chronic fatigue. Doctor appointment after doctor appointment, test after test, medication after medication, no one could figure out how to fix me. But God did, and he wasn't fixing my body because he was fixing my heart. One of my favorite passages has been 1 Peter, um, starting in verse 3. According to God's great mercy, he has caused us to be born again to a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead, to an inheritance that is imperishable, undefiled, and unfading, kept in heaven for you, who by God's power are being guarded through faith for a salvation ready to be revealed in the last time. In this you rejoice, though now for a little while, if necessary, you have been grieved by various trials, so that the tested genuineness of your faith, more precious than gold that perishes, though it has been tested by fire, may be found to result in praise and glory and honor at the revelation of Jesus Christ. Throughout high school, through all the health issues, I would still say that I was getting through volleyball in school because I don't give up, because I'm tough and I work for what I want. I would wrestle with the comments that God is good and gracious in helping me play despite the pain, <clears throat> because it seemed to me that in reality, he was giving me the suffering, but I was strong enough and determined enough to work through it despite the obstacles he was sending my way. But God has been using the suffering to slowly destroy my pride, to show me that the things that I'm good at are only because of him, to teach me every morning that his strength is my daily manna that I need to get through each day. He has been using the suffering to soften me, to change my heart so that I truly hate my sin and look forward to the day where it will be no more. He has changed my heart so that my first and foremost prayer is no longer to be healed, but to grow more and more like Christ and bring glory to my Savior. Hi, I'm Coulson. When I was scared, when I when I was a kid, I was scared of death. Every night, I went to my mom, who usually made me feel better by telling me how God was in control and that He loved me. But then the next night, I was scared again. Eventually, through many nighttime talks with my mom, I started to understand what she was explaining to me, that Christ had sacrificed for me, had died, and had risen again. I could trust him and follow him. I didn't need to fear death anymore. God caused me to see what he has done for me. And by faith, I now know that I am a Christian, and I am choosing to follow him and find my joy in him. Bible says, in your presence there is fullness of joy. I also like the verse in the Bible, Psalms 23, verse 4, that says, even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for you are with me. Your God and your staff, they comfort me. I'm happy to be getting baptized to show the world that I'm God's disciple. Hi, my name is Addie. I was adopted and raised in a Christian house. My family and I went to church on Sunday, 
on sun in Sunday school almost every Sunday, and on Wednesdays nights, my siblings and I would go to a one-on youth group. I remember I came to Christ at a very young age, maybe six or seven years old. Before then, I knew the basic stuff about God and his son Jesus, how God had sent Jesus down to die for our sins, and how sinning was something that made God very unhappy. But he still loves us even when we sin. In my eyes, as a young king, kid, I saw that God was a huge figure in my life, and of course, he st I still do. I knew that he was all-knowing and all-powerful, and so I thought the same about Christians, that we too were all-knowing and all-powerful people of God, which is clearly wrong. We are far from all-knowing and all-powerful. I remember I'd come to Christ during a weekly Wednesday night of Awana when we were talking about how important it is to know God and to repent our sins and come to him. And so they had us all pray this prayer, saying that we were repenting our sins and giving, and giving them to God. I don't remember anything else after that night because it was about eight years ago. And looking back on it, I don't think I understood the gravity of what I had just done. Once I grew up more, I, under, I started to understand what it meant for me to put my trust into God and what it meant for me to repent my sins to him. When I think of this, I now think of 1 John 1, 9. If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just and will forgive us and purify us from all unrighteousness. I remember I felt something different after repenting to him. I felt new. I could feel the Holy Spirit in me. After that, I had many trials in my life. Good things happened in my life that I thank God for, and unfortunate things happened that sometimes made me question why he had let them happen to me. But, there, but just this past year, I would learned that God puts us through trials, not because he enjoys watching us struggle, because that's not the God he is, but because it was part of his plan, and he knew that I'd be able to make it out through the other side with his power. Even, even this past year, with the passing of my brother and other family members, I saw God working in me. I felt as if I grew closer to him, and I put my trust in him even more than I had before this time. I understood what it meant for me to put my trust in God fully and to let him take control of my life. I, I came to understand that my sin doesn't define me as a person because of God and what he's done for me. I've come to learn that God will take people out of your life for a certain reason and replace them with much better people. I came to understand that I can't do it by myself. I need God in my life. Psalm 71:20 says, you have, you have allowed me to suffer much hardship, but you will restore me to life again and lift me up from the depths of the earth. To finish this, I would like to say to those who don't know God personally right now in their lives, I really encourage you to come and seek God. Lay down your pride, your sins, and humble yourselves. Because when you go out and actively seek God, you will find him. When I was eight, I was in the car in the dark, and I was afraid of being attacked by people who were hiding in the bushes. But when, or, but then I wasn't afraid because I felt peace because of God. I wanted to get baptized, but I didn't want to speak in front of people. My family is Christian, and I learned about the gospel in church. I went to Awanas and memorized verses. One of, my, one of the first verses I memorized was John 3.16, which says, For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only Son, that whoever believes in him shall not perish but have eternal life. Now I am 11, and I repent more and understand sin better. I realized that some things I watched at friends' houses did not honor God. I stopped watching them and prayed for God's forgiveness. Sometimes I struggle to not snot snap back at my brother when he is annoying me. And I'm still working on this. But some, I don't complain as much about working. One of Pastor Craig's sermons helped me with this. It talked about how we have so many things to be thankful for, but we complain so easily. Philippians 2.14 says, do all things without grumbling or arguing. I pray more than I used to, and I do Bible plans. When I'm scared, it helps me to know that no matter what happens, it's for God's glory. Jesus forgives us. Jesus created us. He died for us, and he's always there for us. And I want you to know that I am a child of God. My name is Naomi McMahon. For a long time, say when I was three or four, when I said sorry, I always thought I meant it. But a lot of the times, I didn't. I didn't, around when I turned six, I figured out I couldn't be perfect. Nobody is perfect, and that means I'm not perfect either. God opened my eyes to that. Deep down, I knew I wasn't perfect. Jesus' blood is the thing that makes us perfect in God's eyes. I believe that Jesus died on the cross for my sins and that I'm forgiven. I want to be baptized because I believe in God and love him. John 3.16 says, For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only Son, that whoever believes in him shall not perish but have eternal life. 
I have listened to a lot of Christian stories on CD, Christian music, and a lot of the time I like going to church. I like looking up verses in my Bible because it makes me feel happy. My whole life I have been living in a mostly Christian family, my, and it has t shown me a, a lot about the family life God teaches us about. One example is how to pray. It doesn't have to be flowery or elegant, just a simple talk with God. I believe he hears me but doesn't always answer my prayers. If he wants something to happen for me, it will happen, but if he doesn't want it to happen, it won't. It, God tells us to pray wherever, whenever, and however we are, and about whatever we need. So, of some of my family members in my extended family are not Christians. When I see them and at family get-togethers, I see them and hear their conversation. I see that I'd rather be a Christian. I have the hope of a beautiful heaven and life because Jesus' resurrection and forgiveness of my sins. It makes me want to be happy, forgiving, generous, and not rude. When I'm older, I want to give a lot to the church and maybe adopt an orphan because I want to be, I want to honor God and because he loved me first. Romans 5, 8 says, but God shows his love for us and that while we are still sinners, Christ died for us. If you want to become a Christian, here's what you have to do. Believe in Jesus, that he died on the cross for your sins and follow his instructions for life from the Bible when you can have eternal life in heaven and the hope of eternal life and the hope of heaven on earth. And that's why I only preach for 10 minutes. Because their stories are full of God's word. They met Jesus in his knowledge. They met him in his power. They met him in his holiness. And they met him in his mercy. Some grew up in the church. Some are young. Some did not grow up in the church. They are not so young. You're not old. You're just not so young. And yet God, by his mercy and grace, opened the eyes of their heart and he brought them from death to life. That's why we celebrate this today. We're going to go out into the waters of baptism. I am uh, going to invite anybody else that is helping you, Aaron. You can come up here. Uh, I'll say this now. You won't hear me say it in the water as I always uh, share with you. I'll ask them two questions each. Uh, before they get baptized. One is just a public confession confirmation. I'll ask them if they have placed their faith in Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of sins. Their response will be yes. I will ask them, is it their desire to get baptized in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit as we are commanded to do in Scripture? And their answer will be yes. Then we will take them under the water and come out. We'll baptize them one at a time, um, and then we're going to take a group photo, and then we'll sing one last song together, and then I'll come and pray for our meal but uh, hope this is a joyful moment that we can worship with them as we celebrate what God has done in their lives. We'll do that now. Everybody stand. We're going to sing His Mercy is More.
Amen to that. Yeah, God is good. He's gracious. He's loving. We get to participate in what he's doing. And it ought to compel you to want to go out and and speak the gospel and live out the gospel to your family and friends. And so I want to encourage you to uh, make sure you bump into one of those folks that got baptized. Just tell them congratulations. Pray for their growth. Pray for their discipleship. Pray for the strengthening of their faith and all of that. That's really important. And their commitment to be, uh, as all of them are, a part of a local church where they grow in faith and faithfulness and they go out with the mission of the gospel. I want to thank you for all uh, for all for coming here, all of you, and invite all of you to our lunch. I just saw the food walking up. Uh, so there's going to be four lines, uh, tables right to the side of the food pavilion there that um, once they get everything set up, give them a couple of seconds after I pray for the food um, that you can make your way through the food lines. And then there's going to be water bottles at the end. And then there is going to be a dessert table back under the canopy tent. Um, and then you feel free to sit in the picnic pavilion or come spread out here. Uh, stay the rest of the day because it's beautiful and, and enjoy the weather. Enjoy uh, kids playing in the lake and, and just celebrate and fellowship what God is doing here. Uh, but I want to pray for our food together and then we'll be able to share a meal and fellowship. Let's pray. Father, thank you so much for your grace, for what we've each witnessed here today in the, the miracle of salvation. Each story is amazing, supernatural, because it's you grabbing a hold of a heart of stone and turning it into a heart of flesh. You opening the eyes of a lost person, whether they were a kid that grew up in a Christian home or not, they heard the word, they heard the gospel, and they responded to it. And, and Father, that is your work. That is not us. That is the, the work of the Spirit as a result of hearing the Word of God. And Father, we thank you for each life here that gave testimony of faith in Christ, that took a step of obedience and were baptized today. And Father, I do pray now that you would strengthen their faith, that, that you would continue to remind them of your Word, that they would know your promises and that they would trust in you, Father, even when they cannot see, uh, maybe in a dark time of life or in a valley, that they would look to you. Father, we thank you for this gathering of believers, and I uh, just thank you for the fellowship that we experience in Christ. I pray again for the one who has never trusted you, that they could do that this moment, even as I am praying, that they could cry out to you for forgiveness of sin, they could respond to what they've heard today, and, and look to Jesus and what he did in his life, a perfect life. Look to what he did in his death on a sinner's cross, that he took sin for us, that he died there, that his blood satisfied the payment of sin, satisfied your anger against sin, and, Father, that he was buried and rose again victoriously, that all who call upon his name would be saved. And, Father, I pray that you would continue to work in our church family, in this community, that as people are encountering Jesus, they would be met with the wonder of his salvation. And Father, I thank you now for this time we get to celebrate and fellowship. Thank you for the food that you graciously provided and that we would enjoy it, that we would use it for nourishment and for um, our good so that we could be about your good in the world. And we praise you and we thank you for all that you're doing, that you may be glorified. And we pray these things in Jesus' name and all God's people said, amen. I want to leave you this from number six. I know that God smiles when his children obey him. And this is for all of us, especially for those that were baptized. The Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face to shine upon you and be gracious to you. The Lord lift up his countenance upon you and give you peace. Have a blessed day. Go in peace. You are sent to eat fried chicken today.
Not death, no, not hell could 